morning, everyone. I'm Mark, and uh, if you haven't guessed it, we are still in the series Red Letters for a few more weeks. But also, which is really exciting, is Pastor Dan said it's our seventh year anniversary, which is just amazing. And uh, after the first worship gathering this morning, uh, a gentleman came up to me and he said, you know, I was in your landlord's office uh, the, when you sent him, not me, but like we as an organization, uh, sent him your first month's rent check. And I said, oh, wow, how about that? And uh, he, said, he said he opened it up and he called in his assistant and he said, go, depo- or go cash this quick. I'd like to say that's probably still a good idea today. <laughs> I thought that was kind of kind of funny uh, that, you know, seven years, you know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I was just wondering, um, uh, I can see the Johnsons over there. I know they were, they were here the first day. Who, who's been here like the whole seven years, was here on the first day? Okay, so about few... Yeah, wow. That's amazing. Uh, oh, yeah, the Cernas right there. Okay, that's the Cernas. And who was in the back there? I can't. Is that Luis? All right, Luis. So, very, very cool. Yeah, man, back in the day, man, the Cernas and Luis, man, it was like we were like a half uh, Hispanic church, right? <laughs> so, it was pretty, pretty cool, man. Uh I think with the Cerna family, we have probably 90% of yeah, everything. They're awesome, though. It's been really, actually, Michael Shockey uh, uh, was here the first day uh, as well. And uh, actually, there was a, a little boy who was sitting behind me during musical worship. And he's all like, why do they have the drummer isolated like that? Or he didn't say isolated. And I turned and I said, because he smells bad. But... Uh, <laughs> The truth is, like, if, like, you're trying to talk to me and I don't hear you, it's because of Michael Shockey. Uh, man, that guy can hit hard, those drums, man. That is awesome. So, yeah, really, really cool. So, uh, seven years and uh, also day one of uh, E3 Thomasville, which uh, we're really excited about. And that's going to be happening at 5 o'clock uh, today up in Thomasville, and um, so if you think about it, please be praying for us as uh, we start another worship gathering up there, and uh, if you know anybody in the Thomasville area, tell them to come and visit us, so very cool. So, hey, we are going to be in John chapter 17 today, and John 17, this is such a, just a rich passage. It's uh, in the context of what's going on. Uh, Jesus is at the end of his earthly ministry, uh, and he's kind of giving final instruction to his 12 disciples, and he's revealing a whole bunch of truth to them. And just, you know, we're, we're just hours away from him being arrested and then crucified and, and all of these kind of things. So he's, he's just, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of fluff. He's just going right into it. And he's like, look, here's, 
here's my last instruction to you guys. And then he finishes up with his last instruction and then he goes into a prayer. And this prayer is just, it is so amazing. He just kind of sums up his earthly ministry. And it's kind of interesting too, you know, you know like how pastors, you know, they're given about 30 minutes to speak, but like a clever pastor will like work the second part of his message in the closing prayer. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like a three-point prayer and thing like that. Uh, you know, you're meant to be taking notes. So Jesus kind of does that, you know, but like in a holy, really positive way. And, uh, uh, you know, he's sitting there and he's praying and he's summing everything up. And it, and it just, uh, I wanted to share it with you guys today. And, and the first part, uh, I just wanted to read it through. It's kind of long, uh, but I just wanted to read the first part and then take a step back and kind of pull some just, just richness out of it that I believe Jesus is trying to communicate to us. So um, open up your Bibles to John chapter 17. And uh, the first verse, he, he, you know, he, he pauses and he looks up into heaven and then he starts praying this, Father. The hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him the authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one of you. Have, excuse me. Eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything I have is a gift from you. For I passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you gave me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of your name you gave me. I guarded them so not one was lost except, I like the qualifier, except the one headed for destruction as the scripture foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was here with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. 
Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made whole by your truth. Will you guys pray with me? I just uh, thank you for sharing this prayer with us, making sure it was recorded. I just pray that it will transform us and give us clarity of what it means to be a follower of you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I titled today's talk, Followers Follow. And I I know that that's kind of like, duh, right? It's kind of obvious. But I think many times we, we have a disconnect between being a Christian or a follower of Christ and, and actually literally following Christ, following him as a, as a person, as our God, in his teachings and his deeds. So here we are at the end of his life and and. As followers of Christ, he's, he's unpacking some stuff for us. And I think it's really, really important that, that we kind of pull this out because if we truly want to be fully devoted followers of Christ, that, that we want to see what was important to Jesus in his life ministry so that we can emulate it in our life ministry, right? So I was looking through this and I pulled out actually eight different things that I call them the I did or I have or, you know, kind of statements that Jesus saying, I did this during my ministry and here was the result. And I think that these are very telling things and are, are very instructive for us. So we as followers of Christ know what we're meant to be about. So the first one is found in verse four and he says, I brought glory to you here on earth. I brought glory to you here on earth. That, that's what he prayed. That's, that's what he did. And, you know, this whole idea of, of glory, you know, it's kind of an odd word. You know, we don't use it a whole lot outside of, of kind of Christian circles. But really, you know, glory is, is worship. When we worship, we are bringing glory to God. And here at E3, we always kind of put a qualifier like uh, with worship. And it's meant to be a a, a teaching um, mechanism. Like when we do musical worship, we say it's musical worship because so many of us like just in our upbringing that that the song time, the music time was the worship time. That was the time that, that, oh, that was great worship or, or you know, like, oh, I brought g- such good glory to God. I'm so great. You know, this whole idea that, that it was a confined thing with a, in a confined activity during a specific time and place in our week, Sunday mornings. But that's not a biblical understanding of worship or bring glory to God. In fact, Paul and his letter to the Corinthian church, he says, look, this is what bringing glory to God is. This is what true worship is. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it all for the glory of God. If you're a student, be a student as an act of worship and bring glory to God in that. If you're a teacher, you know, bring glory to God in that. Have your, your, your occupation be an act of worship. If you, 
if you are, you know, a businessman and your business dealings bring glory to God. Everything as far as what you're eating and drinking and how you're sleeping and how well you're rested, everything encompassing your whole life. To Jesus, it was important for him to bring glory to God in all of those things and us as followers of Christ should also. And he said, so how did, how did Jesus bring glory to God? He said, I uh, brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. By completing the things in, in a way that brought glory to you. So that's the first thing that, that, that was important to Jesus. It was important to Jesus that he brought glory to God and his followers of Jesus Christ, that it should be important in everything we do that the, the result, that, that the purpose behind us doing it is to bring glory to God. The next one is found in uh, verse 6, the next I have. He says, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. So revealing, you know, revealing God's love, revealing, you know, the person of God, that that. Christ is called the revelation of God. He's the physical manifestation of God here on earth. And Jesus, one of the main things that he did coming to earth was to reveal God to people in this world. And why did he do that? Well, he did that so that we would know, us, that we would know everything we have is a gift from God. That God isn't confined to a certain place or time. But that, that, you know what, everything that we have, every breath that we take, our children sometimes, our, our home, our jobs, all of these things, our relationships, are gifts from God. And this kind of this teaching aspect of, of Jesus is one thing that he did and was important to him was this idea that he wanted, he wanted to inform people and to have them understand in a, in, a, in a greater depth who God was and what he wanted for their lives. The next one is found in verse 18, the next I have statement. This is the next thing Jesus did. It says, I have passed on to them the message you gave me. Again, he's teaching here this discipleship, bringing his followers along. And he talked about how his followers were to become like him, to be more Christ-like, right? And he's talking about that. And he says, look, I passed on this message, this message of love that you wanted them to know. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is the, the message. And they heard that message. And because of that message, they believed. We believed. Because Jesus brought that message and people were faithful followers of him and passed on that message to the people in their sphere of influence. The next I have uh, statement is... In verse 12, he says, I have protected or guarded them, his followers, by the power you gave me. Well, in, in my family, and 
like when I was growing up, one of the, the kind of the, the big things for, for the dad to do, and I know times have changed um, a little bit, but it's more of a parental duty, but was to protect his family, right? That, that you know, this is something that, that, that of men, you know, we, we protect our families, and, and moms, you protect your, your, your little ones too, and this whole idea that you protect this kind of, this, this bond of this family from, you know, all sorts of threats who are trying to get to our children and, and, and do harm and things like that. I mean, it's one of the primary roles. And then we, we also protect larger communities that we are in. And for Jesus, you know, he had these kind of concentric circles of people that he was in community with. You know, he had the three that he dear, you know, he had the one that he dearly loved. He had the three that were in his inner circle. He had the 12 and then the 72 and then the 144. And all of these kind of concentric circles of people that, that he would, there would be different levels of protection. But the overarching thing, theme that was going on was that, that Jesus, that community was important to Jesus. Why did he protect and guard? He protected their hearts and their minds and their persons and everything so that not one was lost, except the qualification of Judas, right? Judas who, uh, you know, you know, depending on your theological bent, he either pulled the short straw, right? Or, or he, he just, you know, he got, he made a really bad choice, but, but he makes this qualification that he wasn't even really part of my community in the first place. So here, here we have, what was important to Jesus? Worship, discipleship, and community. It goes on another I have statement in verse 13. I have told them many things while I was with them in this world. And he told them many things. Why? Why did he tell them about God's love? Why did he tell them about all these things? He did this so that we would be filled with Christ's joy. Isn't that interesting? You think about that. You know, one of the primary reasons that Jesus came what just came to your mind? Die on the cross, right? Raise, rise again. That's what, we, that's what we say. Well, that might be a physical thing that he did, but according to Christ in John chapter 10.10, 10, this is the reasons that, that he came. John chapter 10.10, 10, he says that, the purpose of a thief is to come and rob and steal and destroy. But my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. And then here in, in verse 13, he says, Look, I told them all these things. I was here, and when I was with them in the world, why? So that they would be filled with my joy. The the spiritual, emotional, intellectual reason that Jesus came. The real reason Jesus came, according to Jesus, was to give his followers a rich and satisfying life 
and be filled with the joy of being in an intimate relationship with, their, with our Creator. That's why Jesus came. And I think it's funny because if that's really why He came and we're followers of Him and we're meant to be telling others, if you looked at our activity, would it line up with that goal? Like if He came to, to fill us with His joy, if Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life, what, what kind of activities as his follower would we do to introduce other, other people? What kind of message do we, do we portray? Do we have a, a message of love and a message of hope? Do we have a message of, of you know, you can experience a rich and satisfying life and a, me- a message that you can experience the joy of your salvation? Is it true? I mean, that, this is a hard question because if Jesus' purpose was to give a rich and satisfying life and to fill us with his joy, and we as followers of Christ are not experiencing that, then you know what? That, that means one of two things. Jesus was a liar. He wasn't who he said he was. It's a bunch of hooey. Or maybe church potlucks committees, blue ribbon committees, steering committees, whatever type of committee, ad hoc committee, and we can committee to death in the church, man. We got names for all sorts of committees. Maybe the primary role and functions of us should be more of what Jesus is outlining here for us, and maybe a lot less gathering together and, and committing things to absolute death. A rich and satisfying life, a life of joy. And I believe that Jesus is true in his statement when he said he came to give that. And I think that if we're not experiencing that, then we need to figure out where we are missing the message of why we're not experiencing that. In verse 14, the next I have statement, I have given them your word. More teaching and discipling. Why did he do that? To make us holy. Now, if you've been at E3 for any length of time, you, you know that there's a distinction between the holies. You know, we sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord, right? Capital H. That means absolutely pure, without fault. And then but we're like, okay, so, so God's word is meant to make us absolutely pure without fault? Is that what's being said here? No. It's not. I love you guys. I love me. <laughs> but we're not absolutely pure. We are not, capital H, holy. That is something reserved for God alone. 
So what is his word meant to do? Well, he is meant to make us holy in the, in the sense of the word in the original language that we are set aside for God's purpose. That we are set aside for God's purpose. What is, what is his purpose? Well, we're, we're talking about that. Worship, outreach, teaching, community, all of these kind of different things that we are set aside to be the tangible hand of Christ and to be about his purpose. In verse 18, he says this, I am sending them into the world. Why is he sending us into the world? To get more committee members? To get some new interesting uh, potluck dishes? Why is he sending us into the world? This is where you would yell out something Maybe not come on, Pastor Mark. <laughs> well, that make mature and mobilize too. He's calling us, yeah, to introduce people to the love of God. To, to reveal, and that's in verse 26. He's like, look, I have revealed you to them. Then the God's love will be in them. And you got this kind of, a compilation of these two verses back at verse 18. I am sending them into the world. Why? Not for more committee members, but so they will know God loves them. I find the, the phrasing of this so fascinating. Jesus could have said it two different ways. He could have said this, and this might seem a little more culturally current to you. I am sending them into the world so they will know that they are wretched sinners. Could have said that, right? He could have said that, and he would have been absolutely truthful in that. That, that, that I am sending them into the world to let people know that they are broken, messy people and that they are in need of a Savior. He could have said that. And he would have been correct in saying that. But that's not what he said. He said, I am sending them into the world so they will know God loves them. How many people do you see holding that sign at fallen soldiers' funerals? How many people do you see joyfully communicating that with their signs on the street corner at passing by cars. You see, it's very easy to, to, to see something that is not from God. One of the easy litmus, litmus tests is this. If it's not relational, it's not from God, because God is a God of relationship. And God wanted to send his followers and send us to communicate the message that God loves them and wants restored, a restored relationship with them. Not 
to just browbeat them some more about things that they already know is not holy or set aside for God's purpose. And then finally, verse 26, I have revealed you to them. And how did Jesus reveal God to him? By being God's tangible hand, by serving. Jesus talks about uh, when he washed the disciples' feet. He said, look, I did not come to be served. But I came to serve. That I came to be the physical manifestation of God here on earth. And you know what's true? Is that we are called to be the tangible hand of Christ in this broken, messy world. That we are not here to be served. We are here to serve. Those of us who are followers of Christ are to serve those who are far from God. So here we have in the compass of, 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 of this scripture that what was important to Jesus as, as a follower of Christ should be important to you and it should be important to me is that, you know what, it was important for Jesus that he brought glory to God, worship, that it was important that, that we told people that God loves them, outreach. It was important that he protected people who God had entrusted to him community. It was important that he taught them their words so they could be set apart for his purpose, discipleship. And it was important to him to serve and not to be served because, well, he was the tan- literally the hand of Christ and we are to be the tangible hand of Christ. And if you're like me, sometimes you can see this and you're like, all right, well, that's good for Jesus and it's good for the disciples who were actually with Jesus, like he's talking to them. Well, he's really talking to God, but, you know, he's doing his three-point prayer. And and he's communicating to them, right? Well, Jesus ruins that in verse 20 for us. This just blew me away when I read this. He said this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Who's that? Us. Jesus, this prayer, I should have started with this because he's praying for you. He's praying for me. He's praying that we get it. That we're not pulled apart and and running down one alley after the next or one rabbit trail, hole, whatever. Uh, I've been in the South, what, eight years? You'd think I'd know these, you know, two flaps of a beaver's tail, like how to correctly use that, but I don't. Uh, But you get the idea that that he's praying for us. In verse 21, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me. Father, I am in you and may be in, that you may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. That couple of sentences there like wrecked my world. Like, I let that marinate in my brain for a while, and it fermented. I was, like, drunk with the Holy Spirit for a while. Then when I sobered up, like, reread it again, and I'm like, There's, this is so profound that I don't even really know how to, to, uh, 
just kind of what to do with it. That he says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. He's talking about the Trinity there. He's talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Perfect harmony, perfect community. And he is saying to you and I, this is his prayer, that I I want unity and even more so oneness in the church, oneness in my followers, like there's oneness in the Trinity. And the result of that will be what? The world will believe in Christ. Really? You know, I read that, and when I was trying to, like, just, I mean, I, I, I rejected it at first. Just, I mean, just like, because, like, he wants us to be like the Trinity. I mean, it just kind of, it just messed me up. And then I started thinking about, like, the 21st century church and all the stories that you hear. And I was, like, starting to, you know, about church problems and church politics and church argument. And I, and I wonder if the Trinity has ever argued over carpet color. Anybody? You think it's a big discussion? No, I don't think so. Or do you think like the Holy Spirit ever got ostracized for uh, inappropriate use of fonts? And what kind of conversations dominate in our church churches? Are they things that we believe, you know, the oneness of the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, in no particular order? Or do we elevate conversations to things that are utterly meaningless and foolish to talk about and argue about? Maybe not talk about, but argue about. It continues on in verse 24. Father, I want these whom you gave me to be with me where I am. He has this desire that that we are all with him in heaven. Why? Because they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before this world began. Jesus' prayer, Jesus' desire is for us to see him as he truly is in all his glory as God. That's what he wants. He wants us to be with him and to see him in all his glory. But we have something still to do. It says, Our righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed, them, revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Jesus desires for us to see him in all of his glory. But he's praying for us that we will live out God's purpose. And in the right time, we will be there. But it is God's purpose. It was Christ's purpose and our, as us as followers of Christ, our purpose and his prayer for us that we go out and that 
we bring glory to him, that, that we tell others not about how wretched they are, but about his love, that we protect one another, that we encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds, that we, we teach one another so we can be set aside for God's purpose. If you're not set aside for God's purpose, you are not holy. If that's not your desire, you do not have holy desires. And to serve, to be the tangible hand of Christ. Why? So that people will know, people will know that God loves them. You guys pray with me. Dear God, I just thank you for recording this prayer for us that you, or this conversation that you had with your Father. God, we want to be fully devoted followers of you. And we want to follow your teachings and your actions and your thoughts that we will become more and more like you. God, let us be a people of worship and outreach and community and discipleship and service. In your strong name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.